Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we have a special guest episode from the podcast Faces and Aces LV. We support other local podcasts, and the Faces and Aces team says theirs is a love letter to the city and the people who live in it. So when we decided on a pod swap, we went for the love of the real deal Vegas showgirl. Today, you're going to hear Faces host Chris Kim talk to Kelly O about the life of a showgirl and if it's anything like the titular titled movie of Vegas cinema lore. Also, you could listen to more conversations like this one at facesandacesLV.com. It's Thursday, September 8th, 2022. I'm David Figler, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. What is a day in the life of a showgirl? And, and I guess we'll go back to 2009 when you started working at Jubilee. Well, first of all, we sleep in. <laughs> and I still have that habit. I haven't really broken that one yet. So yeah, Jubilee was my first show. I moved here from New York, uh, from Brooklyn, actually. I was working as a ballet dancer in New Jersey. I All of my dance training was in ballet exclusively, but I was really struggling. I, I compare it to being like a triple A baseball player. Right. Like I was professional, but I wasn't good enough to be in the major leagues and I was good, but I wasn't great. And so my ballet career wasn't really going anywhere. I was always injured. I was a little too tall, a little too curvy. And some people had mentioned to me that there was a show in Las Vegas that loves to hire tall ballet dancers because we have nice lines. And someone told me it was topless and I was shocked. I was like, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I could do that. Right. But then I saw what the show was and I saw that it was really classy and beautiful and they were auditioning in New York the summer that I was living there. So I went to the audition. I booked it. They told me that it had a 401k and, you know, way more money than I was making at the time, even though it wasn't a lot. And health insurance was one of the most important things. So I said, okay, I'm going to leave this ballet company for six months, go do this contract, save up some money and come back to my passion of ballet. Mm -hmm. And then when I got to Jubilee, I just fell in love with it. It was a really steep learning curve for me. I had never danced in heels before. I had never done a production show of any kind. I'd only ever done concert dance, which would be ballet or modern dance. It's a completely different world. I didn't know any of the terminology, for example, that a role in a show in in this type of production show is called a track. And to, to be a swing means you would be called an understudy in other worlds, but it's when you, you study a different part and you, you swing from different parts of the show into another. Mm-hmm. And all of it was so new to me. I had no idea what I was doing. I was very green, but I loved it. And, and that show provided me the stability and like a safe environment to sort of cut my teeth and kind of learn a completely different thing. And it was great. And this, this stability of having you know, decent paycheck and, and the benefits that come along with it was really great. So I fell in love with it. But to answer your question, sorry, that was really, really drawn <laughs> out. What is my day? Um, so back then it was Jubilee ran 12 shows a week. We are, our dark day was Friday. So we, our call time, I believe was 630. I believe we had a 730 show, 730 to about nine. And then I think we had a 1030 show. I might, I might have that wrong, but it was something around there, two shows a night. Mm-hmm. So your your evening was from like 6.30 to midnight. And, you know, a lot of us worked other jobs. So for a period of that time, I would do those two shows and then drive across the street to the Rio to make a 1 a.m. 
time work the graveyard shift there as a cocktail server for their what they call bevertainment program, which is they have singers and dancers there that serve cocktails. Hmm. And then on my days off on Friday, I would work at Caesar's Palace as Cleopatra or dancing at Shadow Bar or dancing at the Pussycat Dolls Pit or sometimes both of those two of those things at once. Um, so I was, you know, and at the time I was really young, but I was working my tail off and I saved a lot of money and I was just loving the opportunity to make money and save money doing what I loved. So I keep not answering your question. Sorry. So I was <laughs> like pretty much sleep till 11 or noon, get yeah. up, work out if you can exercise, do whatever you want to do for the, the first part of the day, get yourself to Bally's or to the theater by six 30 um, we would do our makeup for half an hour, and then there was a mandatory warm-up before the show. There was a ballet class offered to those of us that liked ballet, or you could do your own thing. And that was the show that had the most structure of all the shows that I've done. Um, other shows don't require you to warm up. It's, it's on your own terms. But um, that was it. And you do two shows a night with, I think I had 11 to 13 costume changes a show. If you're doing two shows, what's that? 26 costume changes. We d we counted. We did about 1,500 stairs a night, going from the dressing rooms downstairs up to the stage and back down, and wow. um, everything else. So it, it was it was quite a workout. It was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. And we got to wear the most the most beautiful costumes I think Las Vegas ever had by Bob Mackie. So yeah, I've seen it actually over at the Springs Preserve. Yes, they have some from the Lido as well, but they have just a tiny fraction of what really was in the show. It's unfortunate that I, I don't, I think Bally's is still holding on to them in the basement, which mm -hmm. they should be in a museum. They're, they're incredible. But yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe they're kind of hoping that someday it will come back. It's I've been hearing possible. that for four years, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You never know. You never, never know, happens. especially with something as iconic as a showgirl representing Las Vegas. You got to have at least one showgirl review in Vegas, in my opinion. I agree. And that's the, that's an interesting topic. I'm, I'm planning to do a video on my channel called what is a Showgirl," And I'm planning to interview several of my friends or just, or get not necessarily interview them, but get them to give their take in a, you know, 30 seconds to a minute of what a showgirl is, because that term has definitely changed. Mm -hmm. And I would say, judging by the standard old fashioned term showgirl, there really aren't any showgirl shows. Jubilee was the last one. But if you update that to just to mean something else, then we have lots of showgirl shows like Fantasy and Crazy Girls, et cetera. So what was it like closing that down? Like, were you one of the last performers in Jubilee? No, I actually, I didn't close Jubilee. I was there from 2009 to 2013. And I, I went from Jubilee right into Peep Show. And Peep Show did close down when I was there. It was only open for another six months. That was over at Planet Hollywood. It was a, a Jerry Mitchell production. Jerry Mitchell's a big-time Broadway producer and choreographer. Um, he put on this incredible show over at Planet Hollywood and unfortunately only ran for, I think, like four or four and a half years. So I closed that show, but I, I wasn't in Jubilee when it closed. But I, of course, was really close friends with a lot of people that were. And what were some of your favorite memories from working Jubilee? Oh, the camaraderie. You get really close to people when you are spending that much time together. Because every other show I've done is just one show a night, usually. Or I'm just a swing there, so I'm not there as often. So being with people six days a week, you know, two shows a night, you, you get to know each other really well. My favorite memory, honestly, though, is just the glamour. Like, the getting to wear those costumes, some of the amazing gigs that we got to do, and celebrities that we got to meet, and 
a lot of times if we were doing a gig uh, representing Jubilee Showgirls, we would be in a limousine and we would be, you know, it, it felt really special to be a part of that. And also just to be in the tail end of that legacy of that show that ran for almost 35 years and yeah. was in casino and, and, you know, started in the eighties and, and to be able to say that I was a part of that is probably my favorite part of it all. Did you get to keep anything from the show? No, I kept, I kept a pair of shoes actually. A lot of people kept their shoes from the show. I don't think we were supposed to, but it's like, well, who's going to wear my used shoes? That's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. So I took I took a pair of shoes. I wish I had actually taken more than than one pair, but I know <laughs> lots of other people did. Um, there has been stories of of those costume pieces are worth thousands of dollars. Some of them are worth ten thousand dollars just for one costume. And there has been some horror stories of things that have been stolen, especially since it closed down. I think quite a bit has been stolen from that basement, which is horrifying to me. Mm. But no, I, I would have never stolen one of those amazing costume pieces. Absolutely not. But yeah, I think I've got a pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of pictures. That's it. Was that the favorite, uh, your uh, favorite place to have worked as an entertainer? No, it wasn't my favorite. I, I'm, more, I'm more grateful to that show, I think, than any other because... It gave me my, my first break and my start and got me out here and set me up and everything. But my favorite shows were the times I got to work with live music, honestly. So I, I was in Purple Rain for two years, which mm. when I was in it was at the Westgate. It's now over at Plano, uh, Tropicana, excuse me. And they are some of the most incredible musicians in that show. Mm. And getting to improvise, that was the other thing. Is When I first joined that show, I was the only dancer. So... I could change the choreography. I just had to interact with the lead singer at certain points in the song. But other than that, I could improvise. And I love to improvise. Not all dancers do. But that was so much fun for me. Later on, a second dancer was added. So everything had to be choreographed. And I couldn't improvise anymore. But it was still just really amazing to dance with. The, especially the lead guitarist in that show. His name is DeAndre Farley. He is one of the most outstanding musicians I've ever seen in person. And so to get to be on stage with people like that. And the the energy that comes from a live band. And that's something, sadly, that Vegas is really missing these days. Live music used to be a lot more common in the shows here. Yeah. But it's really expensive to have live music. So yeah. um, it's not something you see a lot. So that that's my favorite experiences is, is working with live music, really. You also worked at Crazy Girls. What was working at Crazy Girls like? <laughs> that show was really fun. The thing about working in a show that's all female, which I've done a few times with fantasy and, and crazy girls, et cetera, is you get such a camaraderie with the other women and the women and crazy girls are really awesome people. And some of them I've worked with at other places and are really close with. That's probably the most fun thing about that show is just the, the women that work there are, are incredible. And actually the, the main host of that show is one of my best friends, Danny Elizabeth, and she's actually the next guests that I'll be having on my show to interview, but she's the, the MC and one of the dancers. And so it's really, really fun to work with her. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it's a crazy show. I will say that show, the style of choreography does not match my style of dancing. So my style of dancing that comes naturally to me and that I do when I improvise is very um, curvy and slinky and uh, kind of more burlesque style mm -hmm. and, and that show has a lot of like sharp lines and um, a style of dance that I, doesn't really fit my body so sometimes it felt a little awkward for me to dance that show mm. but my experience there was really fun I really enjoyed it how competitive is it to become a showgirl 
That's a really interesting question because I feel like everyone's perspective on that is really different. Of course, there's some competition. You have to audition for a part and not everyone's going to get that part. And sometimes 500 people audition and one person gets it. In my personal experience, it really wasn't that competitive. And I guess I mean more in that the energy coming from other people wasn't that competitive. But of course, there's only so many jobs. Most of the time, they're only looking for one person. So I guess in that sense, it is really competitive. But I have found other dancers to not be that competitive. I've found a lot of other dancers to be very supportive of each other. We tell each other about auditions. If we think a friend is right for a part, we let them know about it. In my experience, there's just been a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And I think within the past few years, it's gotten a little bit more competitive because a lot more shows have been closing. There, I think even before the pandemic, things were starting to slow down and gigs weren't paying as much. There weren't as many gigs. And so I think that started to change people's attitudes a little bit and they, they weren't as forthcoming with sharing things and information and, and maybe being a little bit more fearful about their own employment. Mm. That maybe has changed. But in, in my experience in general, there, there was such an abundance of work and the dancers here were really kind to each other and giving to each other, which I don't think is the same in other markets for dancers. Because, you know, most of the people, their impression is what they see in different forms of media. And so perhaps their only exposure to behind the stage of a review is the movie Showgirls. Yeah, it's my, I've never had an experience like that. I have, I have had some, we've all had bad apples, you know. I've worked with some people I really didn't like. I've worked with some people that were really not nice, but they're the minority and generally everyone gets along or even if you're not good friends, you, you get along just fine. Um, and I think the reason that that kind of showgirls scenario isn't real in reality is because it just wouldn't survive. If the work environment was that toxic, nobody would want to be there. And it's so much easier if we are all nice to each other, right? Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. I hate to burst everyone's bubble, but it's there. There are some bad apples. There's definitely some not nice people, and there's definitely um, a bit of. I've I've definitely been backstabbed before. There's a little bit of that, but in general, by far, most people are really kind, and they just want to help each other. So, I mean, I do find that most of the people that I met and know in Vegas are extremely kind people. Yeah. So you moved on from dancing recently, about a year mm -hmm. ago. Uh, to other gigs, as well as you had other gigs while you were dancing. What were some of those things that you've been doing? Um, yeah, well, I moved on because I just, I wanted to do something different and I wanted to keep dancing, but there weren't any shows that I wanted to do, <laughs> which I guess at this point I've done a lot of shows and, um, you know, a lot of shows have closed. And then shortly after that, I, I had to put wire braces on my teeth for double jaw surgery, which means I can't perform because you can't be in a show with braces on your teeth. So it just kind of happened. I, I'm hoping to get back to performing, maybe. Uh, we'll see what happens, but as of right now, I'm not. And I was, up until the pandemic, was only working in a nightclub. And I worked there as a go-go dancer and as a shot girl, which has really been great money and super fun. And I've always actually been a go-go dancer. I started go-go dancing way back when I lived in New York City and have done it pretty much the whole time I've lived in Vegas as a side gig. And that is a really fun job because again, I love to freestyle dance. And yeah. so that's people are paying you just to get up and freestyle in a costume. And, and the other thing that's fun about it is you see how a nightclub goes from when it first opens and the first few people trickle into the club and 
they haven't had much to drink and maybe they're a little insecure and they're kind of not sure to the end of the night when everybody's dancing and everyone's drunk and everyone's having a blast. Yeah. It's fun to watch people kind of warm up and your job as a go-go dancer is to help them get there. So they see you dancing, they see you having fun. And if you interact with them, it encourages them to have a good time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so much fun. <laughs> I just, it's, it's, I love it. How long is a, is a shift? They're usually shifts are usually four to five hours long and you usually dance for half an hour and then have a half an hour break. Okay. Which I think that sounds really easy to people, but it's really, it's a lot of work because you're dancing nonstop for half an hour. And if you're a good go-go dancer, you're dancing hard and you're, you're dancing full out to the point where you're out of breath and sweating. And what's that two, three hours of dancing, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. And then at the last nightclub I worked at, we would go-go dance for half an hour. And then the, the half hour that was our break time, we were allowed to sell shots to the guests. And that's how we made most of our money. So we would, instead of taking a break, we would go make money. Mm-hmm. So then you're really not getting a break. And it was super fun, but definitely exhausting because you're just going nonstop. Do you go in at any point with the mindset of, okay, I got to pace myself. This is a marathon, not a race. I got because <laughs> I do when I'm injured or when I'm sick. And I was, re- I had to work on New Year's Eve and I had, I don't know if I had coronavirus or the flu, but I was the sickest I've ever been in my life. And I could not, not go into work because. It was um, New Year's Eve, and I would have been fired if I didn't go. So I, was, I wasn't I was in the full throes of my sickness. I was just coming down with it, but I knew I was going to get really sick, and I had to go in and work outside and, and dance the whole night. And it was yeah. a longer shift because I think it was like an eight-hour shift because it was New Year's Eve, and Ooh. you just have to suck it up and do it. And it's the same thing if you're injured or you know any, anything that's physically wrong with you. That's the only thing about being a professional dancer that I think people forget is when you have to go into your office and you're sick, you can just sit at a desk all day. But when you are a performer, you've got to get half naked, put on makeup and get out there. Even if you, you know, you're throwing up between numbers or blowing your nose between numbers. And it's really not fun. That's probably my least favorite thing about being a professional dancer is not having the ability to rest when you're sick. And what are you thinking about when you're dancing? Well, I mean, are, it depends. are you like figuring out, okay, what am I going to cook for dinner tonight? Or <laughs> are you just like in the moment? Honestly, if you're having a bad night, if the guests are being rude, if it's just not going well, if the DJ is playing music that you can't stand, then yeah, you're thinking about, okay, what am I get, whatever's going wrong in your life or what you're going to do later. But if you're having a good night and you're vibing with the music and you're vibing with the crowd, then you're not thinking about anything. You're just, um, especially for me, because I, I like to improv with the music. So I'm just completely lost in the music and I'm trying to find the most interesting moments in the music that I can highlight with my dancing or the, the, the offbeat that maybe people aren't hearing or the, you know, or whatever is coming up in the lyrics that I know is exciting to people. I, I just really get into that if I'm enjoying it. But it depends. There's some really bad DJs out there, too. So then if you're stuck dancing to them, then you're just bored. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you ever get weirded out? Because there there is a difference between looking and gawking mm, like do yeah. you ever get weirded out yeah totally but it's, it just comes with the territory yeah <laughs> there's always lots of security yeah. and um if any if anyone's the security guards are always on it and they're the best they're they're really awesome people and they they see who's being creepy and they yeah. see who's staring at us and they'll keep an eye on them and if anybody crosses a line they're out they'll get kicked out of the club so it's you know it's pretty safe um it, it just gets to a point where it's funny though yeah, like, are you just dancing, thinking, don't make eye contact, don't look at them, yeah, don't look. Being weird, I just don't look at them, but... Yeah. yeah. 
it's fine. <laughs> sometimes people just are really enjoying your dancing. And yeah. then lots of women come over or, or gay men or people that are not interested in me like that. And they'll just be like, I just love your dancing or can I dance with you? And they're just like so excited. So that that's really fun. I love when that happens. Yeah. I, I mean, it does definitely, especially in like a party pit, which is where I'm exposed to go-go dancers. It, it picks up the vibe and the energy of the area. And I do enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. I, the only party pit I did was the Pussycat Dolls one at Caesars, um, which was, they got rid of that a long time ago, but that was really fun. Are you allowed to accept tips? Because typically, you know, in a party pit, they're set back a good, like, you know, 10 feet away from people. So you can't really give them like, hey, that's awesome here. A little something for you. Like, you can't do that. It depends on the pit and the nightclub, actually. So when I worked at Pussycat Dolls Pit, there was a rule that we were not allowed to accept tips. Even when people tried to tip us through the pit mm -hmm. boss or the dealers, they were told they weren't allowed to. But then other pits, I believe most of the, the pits um, on the strip and in the casinos, you can. And yeah. I definitely encourage you to if you're enjoying somebody's dancing because that's a major part of their income. Um, and it might just be you can't reach them, so you might have to ask the dealer to give it to them or the pit boss. But it's, it's a policy case by case thing. A lot of times, you know, unfortunately, casinos have gotten so corporate that they really discourage tipping because they want that money to go to the gambling or to the slot machines or to the restaurant. They don't want it going to the go-go dancers. But, mm. you know, that's why corporate America stinks and you should support your favorite go-go dancer. Yep. Um, but I have worked at um, Tau Group, uh, which is Tau and Marquee nightclubs and Lavo Brunch, and they discouraged tipping there. We were allowed to accept tips, but... We couldn't have any money displayed on our body. And I think I think the policy was something like if someone offers you a tip first, you have to decline, like say no thank you. And then if they insist, you can take it, one of those types of things. Um, so it really depends where you work. But mm -hmm. the nightclub that I worked at up until the shutdown, we were, you know, that's how we made most of our money was tips. Yeah. So. so what would you do if you couldn't dance? What other opportunities are there for you that you're excited about? Well, I've been a um, certified yoga instructor for a while, and I was teaching at True Fusion here in Vegas. I was teaching Pilates and yoga. Um, I have done all sorts of crazy, weird gigs that are not related to dance since I've lived here. I would be working in a show full time and then still doing the weirdest gigs. So recently, I worked as a, a cigarette girl at, at uh, MGM for like two weeks. <laughs> I resigned because I didn't enjoy it, but that had nothing to do with dancing. Uh, lots of modeling types of gigs here are, have nothing to do with dancing where they want you to wear a certain costume or take pictures with people or hand something out or be atmosphere at a party. And so, so many gigs. I've done lots of body painting gigs where you're just being body painted in a really cool way and you take pictures with people or you just stand there and, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of gigs like that. And, um, it's been really fun because that's also been for myself and any of the other dancers in town that do what I do. That's a huge part of our income is we do a show, maybe a nightclub and then the gig work gigs probably make up a third of our income because there's mm. just, you know, and obviously all of that stopped with the pandemic, but yeah. Um, yeah, atmosphere modeling, there's, there's so many things that we do that liquor promotions that, that have nothing to do with dance, but oh, are, you were you know. in a video. Yes, I was. Mm -hmm. I was in the, the weekend's music video for uh, Earned It, which was the Fifty Shades of Grey song. You've been in Vegas for maybe a little over 10 years. What advice would you give that young, naive Kelly moving from New York to Vegas? What would you tell her? I would tell her 
wow, so many things. I don't even know where to start. But I would tell her to take different dance classes because I was I was what we call a bunhead. I only did ballet. And ballet is really helpful, but you need to know lots of other styles of dance, especially in Las Vegas. And I kind of figured it out and, and taught myself as I went, but I, I would have probably been a much stronger dancer if I had gotten just thrown myself into other forms of dance. Um, so for, for dancers, definitely take all of the dance classes that you can. And, um, the other, the other most important thing is your relationships with people because every job and every audition that I've got was, or almost everyone was through a relationship with somebody or somebody recommending me or recommending an audition to me. So if you have good relationships with people, that's really going to help you go far. And the third most important thing, definitely, which I did not do or understand at that time is to believe in yourself. Every single thing that ever happened to me in my career, I was always shocked. I was like, I can't believe I booked that show. I can't believe I booked this show. I can't believe I got that gig. Like as if I didn't deserve it. And I think I could have gotten a lot further and maybe enjoyed myself more if I just believed, didn't have imposter syndrome and believe that I was meant to be there and believe that I was good enough. There, there's a lot of criticism in this industry. And obviously we're doing something that is strange. So you get a lot of funny looks from friends and family and people like, what are you doing? And they don't understand that we make good money. They don't understand that we have a great lifestyle. They don't understand that it doesn't mean that we're partying. It doesn't mean that we're drinking all the time. So just ignore everybody else. They don't get it and believe in yourself and do, do your thing and have fun. Where can people find you on social media if they wanted to give you a follow there? Oh, thank you so much. My Instagram is call me underscore Kelly underscore O. And uh, I, I unfortunately have different handles for every single one of them. Twitter is Kelly underscore life capital OTB. And of course, my YouTube channel is Kelly O. And those are the three places that you can find me. So thank you. <laughs> and we will go ahead and provide links in the show notes to all of that to make it easy for you to go ahead and follow her on Twitter, Instagram, and check out her YouTube channel. Kelly, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Thanks, Chris. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you'd like to support our show, here's what you could do. Share it with a friend and make sure you're following the show. Then go sign up for our amazing morning newsletter. It's free. We'll be back tomorrow morning with our Friday News Roundup. Talk soon.